Today on Crossroads and Culture, I'll be discussing the question, what does it mean to be devoted to the Scriptures? In the book of Acts, chapter 2, we see that the believers were devoted to the apostles' teaching. But what does that mean for us today? What does it mean to be devoted to the teaching of the Scriptures? I'm going to be talking about that today on Crossroads and Culture. Welcome to Crossroads and Culture, where life, ministry, and culture meet. Well, today on this episode, I'm going to be talking about what does it mean to be devoted to the Scriptures? Are we actually devoted to the Scriptures? When we read in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, uh, we read this, And they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. The they it's referring to there are the disciples, and they willingly submitted themselves under the authority of the apostles whom Jesus had appointed. So getting into this first part of this of this verse, of verse 42 in Acts 2, the word devoted um, means that, that they persevered in staying close to and persisting in uh, the study and the application of the Scriptures. That word is a strong word, um, and, and there's a sense of loyalty here uh, by the disciples of Jesus and their deep desire to embrace uh, tightly as though their lives depended on the living and active Word of God. In fact, their lives did depend on the Scriptures for life and godliness. Um, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, gives us a clear picture of the practices of the early church. It, it's not only descriptive of the early church, but I believe it it's prescriptive for, for today's church as well. In other words, it didn't just describe what happened with the church. We'll find some things in the Scripture, some texts, that are descriptive of what was taking place in that day and time, in that culture. And there are some things that are prescriptive. In other words, things that that we need to be doing now that are prescribed for the body of Christ, so to speak. And so I believe this isn't just descriptive. I believe it's prescriptive for today's church also. Um, It's interesting when you dive into this, that these four practices, the teaching of Scripture, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, uh, and the prayers, they're all nouns. In the Greek, these words are nouns, which indicates that that this was the essence or the, or the substance of their lives that were consistently lived out in their daily lives. In other words, the very character of Christ was being formed in them by the Spirit of God to be lived out in the power of His Spirit at work in them as a witness to the world for the glory of God. Now, this seems to be a, a vivid display of what it means to be the church versus what we do as the church. There's a, there's a difference there, right? Being versus doing. You've, you've heard this before. This is who God's called us to be, um, but He's also called us to function and to act, to live in, in a certain way. Both are crucial to the life and the witness of the believer. It, it's, not, it's not either or, okay? So we see them devoted to the apostles' teaching. So here's the question. So why was there a devotion to the Scriptures in the early church, and why should we, as followers of Christ, be devoted to the Scriptures today? So I'm going to give kind of two, three answers to that question. The first is this, that ultimately it was because they had a they had this unwavering conviction that that what was taught by the apostles was the truth of God not that the apostles were God but that what the apostles taught was the truth of God and we can see this in 1 Timothy 
chapter 3, verse 16. I'm going to read that for you. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. And then he goes into this confession. He says, he was manifested in the flesh, speaking of Jesus, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. Really, if, if, if you just took that, that's really the, the Christian confession, because it speaks of the incarnation of Jesus. He was manifested in the flesh. It speaks of his resurrection. Uh, he was vindicated by the Spirit. His ascension, seen by angels, uh, proclaimed among the nations. Uh, that's the proclamation and the witness of the church. Uh, believed on in the world. That's salvation. And then the exaltation of Christ, that he was taken up in glory. That really is the Christian confession, and, and that was what was being taught uh, by the apostles. Um, so his incarnation, his crucifixion, his resurrection, his ascension, how to live uh, life as a witness of Christ, salvation, the exaltation of Christ. They also taught the Old Testament scriptures, uh, would have been, which would have been canonized by this time, and certainly the teachings of Christ. And as they were taught by the, this by the, the apostles, as the disciples were taught this, the, their witness increased even in the midst of persecution, imprisonment, social isolation, um, ridicule, and, and even martyrdom. And the teaching of God's ways and his word were, were their comfort in their trials and their strong defense among the false teachings and the doctrines of heretics. And as these teachings were passed down in the writing of the gospel accounts and and the books and letters that comprise the New Testament, which, by the way, was canonized by no later than, than A.D. 376. Athanasius was part of that. Um, but there is sufficient evidence that the 27 books of the New Testament were listed and used by the early church fathers like Origen as the canon of Scripture much, much earlier, probably 100 years earlier than um, A.D. 376. So, so around 276, 275, 276, they would have... They would have listed these books, and they would have been used, the books we have in the New Testament, by the early church fathers. And in, in doing so, these books and these writings of the gospel accounts, they were rightly taught as the inspired word of God. And so for us today, we have the canon of Scripture, both the Old and New Testaments, that are written down for us, and they are still, and always will be, the inspired, inerrant, and authoritative word of God. There are no longer apostles or prophets as there were in the apostolic um, era of Jesus' day when he appointed the Twelve and birthed the New Testament church by the power of his Spirit, even though I know that there are some who may say that, that there are apostles and prophets still exist today. I think if you go back and look at Scripture in Ephesians and other passages of Scripture, you have a hard time proving biblically that apostles are still in existence today and that prophets are still in existence today. Because God's Word tells us very clearly that God now speaks to us through His Son and His revealed Word by His Spirit so that we might walk in the light of His truth. Hebrews chapter 1 speaks to that. So God's Word is God's Word, which is reason enough to be devoted to and long for uh, the Scriptures. In Psalm 119, I love this psalm. I've been doing more of a deep dive in this and hearing David's heartbeat um, and his desire, his devotion really to God and his law. Uh, and his devotion to God's word, to God's law is without question. I want you to listen to what David says in Psalm 119 and how he exalts the word of God. Listen to what he says. He says, the sum of your word is truth and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. He says in Psalm 119, uh, 
later on, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Then he says, I hope in your word. I trust in your word. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I rejoice at your word. So I think you get the point, right? And the reasons why David is devoted to the law of God, God's word, are seemingly countless. I mean, here, here are just a few reasons David gives in Psalm 119. When we guard our life by his word, when we seek God in his word, when we store up God's word, uh, when we learn God's word, when we declare God's word, when we delight in God's word, when we meditate on God's word, when we fix our eyes on God's word, and when we remember God's word, we're able to keep our way blameless. His word gives us life. His word opens our eyes to the ways of God. His word is our counselor. His word strengthens us. His, his word gives us understanding. His word gives direction. His word is our good. His word comforts us. His word helps us persevere in affliction. His word corrects us. His word guards us against error. His word's firmly fixed. His word guides me, and his word gives us peace. And so we see that all just in Psalm 119, and we see this devotion to David, I mean, to, to, that David has to, to God's word and to God's law, and, and why we should have the same type of devotion. And the apostles taught this, as well as what they've been taught by Christ and observed in the life of Jesus. The four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they give us this explicit account of the life of Jesus and more than sufficient for our understanding of our need to confess sin, to repent of sin, and to turn to Christ for the forgiveness of sin. And although this is explicit in its message, it was not exhaustive in its scope of all that Jesus did. I mean, John writes in the closing of his Gospel, he says this in John chapter 21, verse 25. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So obviously what we have in the Gospels is, is more, it's more than enough for us to have an understanding of our sin and our need for a Savior. But there were so many other things that Jesus did and so many other things that he taught that the apostles obviously um, were able to hear and I mean, record and soak in, and and so it's that that the apostles the apostles would teach the disciples. So it, it is this to which the disciples were devoted, and and what they taught the disciples of the New Testament church, and, and and it's in the Word of God, the Scriptures that that you and I we're exhorted to, as Paul did with Timothy, when he wrote in in First Timothy, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Command and teach these things. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching, and keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. In Paul's second letter to Timothy, Paul writes this. He says, You, however, have followed my teaching, continuing what you've learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then Paul gives the reason why we need to be devoted to the Scriptures. When he writes to Timothy and he says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, and the woman of God, equipped for every good work. 
I mean, right there, Paul gives us reason enough to be devoted to the Scriptures. We need this because we we know it's profitable for teaching. We, we need to be reproved and corrected. We need to be trained in righteousness. We need to become complete uh, and equipped for every good work that God's called us to. And that's why Paul said this to Timothy, but it also is true for us. So, again, we should be devoted to the teaching of the Scriptures because they are the Word of God. But then also we should be devoted to the scriptures because they teach us God's ways and how to live in the everyday moments of this broken world. And I don't know about you, but I need that. I need to know how do I live in the everyday moments of this world that we live in that is so broken. And we're going back to Psalm 119. David writes this. He says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In other words, God's word sheds light on where to step and how to navigate this life that we live. And we desperately need that because the path that we walk in this world is more often littered with, with landmines than it is with lollipops, right? Our, our path in this life leads us through the valleys of the shadow of death, like David writes in Psalm 23. But God shepherds us by his word and the abiding presence of his spirit. And as we follow his ways and delight in his word, he provides for our real needs, not just felt needs, he leads us beside the quiet waters of his word when, he, when the world feels like a, like a raging sea. And he makes us lie down in the green pastures of his word to rest even when we walk through desert moments in life. He restores our weary and wounded soul with the healing salve of his word. And he reminds us of his nearness with the rod and the staff of his word so that we don't have to fear any evil. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies where we feast on the goodness of his word and the sustenance that that he gives us. That's why we should be devoted to the scriptures. And then lastly, let me just say this. We, we should be devoted to the teaching of scriptures because the alternative, not being devoted to the scriptures, will lead us wandering like sheep without a shepherd. And sadly, many churches find themselves drifting from the truth because they've exchanged the truth of God for a lie that Satan peddles through a godless culture that has abandoned God's word and his ways. When, when believers in Christ are, are devoted to the unadulterated, never-changing, absolute true Word of God, there will be no question as to where we stand regarding sin, be it issues of gender or sexuality, abortion, false doctrine, or anything else that raises itself up against the standard of God's Word. And that's what we need. We need the truth of scriptures that are taught within the church and lived out as a people with a peculiar identity not avoiding the world, but living differently than the world as we live in this world. So as we devote ourselves to the reading and application of Scripture, we need to know that there will be opposition because of the stark contrast to what the world believes and how the world lives. I'm reading this book right now um, called Christianity at the Crossroads, How the Second Century Shaped the Future of the Church. Uh, and the author, uh, Michael Kruger, speaks to the opposition of believers by those in the world. Um, he writes this about Pliny the Younger, um, who was a Roman governor of Bithynia, and he's writing to the emperor Trajan, who was the Roman emperor at this time, uh, expressing um, his concerns about how much Christianity had spread. So this is Pliny the Younger, Roman governor of Bithynia, writing to the emperor, and he's really concerned about how um, the Christian community has continued to grow. And here's what Pliny says to the emperor, to Emperor Trajan. Quote, For the matter seemed to me well worth referring to you, especially considering the numbers endangered. Persons of all ranks and ages and of both sexes are and will be involved in the prosecution. For this contagious superstition, he's referring to 
contagious superstition as Christianity. So he says, for this contagious superstition is not confined to the cities only, but is spread through the villages and rural districts, end quote. So as Rome began to, to, to notice and take seriously the spread of this Jesus movement, uh, the believers made every effort to show that they were ordinary citizens, yet they did so without compromising uh, the gospel of Christ. However, when you read um, historians like, like Suetonius and Tacitus, or even go back and read some of Pliny the Younger's writings as well, when he was the, the governor of Bithynia, the Roman governor of Bithynia, they spoke very harshly uh, about Christians and against Christians, uh, making everyday life for a believer in Jesus very difficult. But it was the devotion of these believers to Christ and the teaching of the scriptures that strengthened their resolve to live and for many uh, to die for Christ. As I read about their devotion to Christ and, and, and their commitment to him, it really does challenge me. It encourages me as well. And I hope it does you also. Uh, I want to encourage you to spend time in God's word. Be devoted to the scriptures. And also make sure that you are sitting under the teaching of biblical truth, sound doctrine. It is so crucial uh, in this day and time. So here's the takeaway, I think. It's when we, uh, as well, as believers, it's when we take seriously our devotion to Christ, the teaching of His Word, and the Spirit-filled life, that we're going to be the witnesses we're called to be as God's people, His church. That's why we must rediscover His design for His church by being devoted to His words and his ways. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Crossroads and Culture. Uh, And just want to remind you that we are planting a church here in Conway, Arkansas, River Valley Church. We're a church of house churches. And so if you're wondering what that means, you can find out more information uh, on our website at rivervalleyconway.com. And you can also follow us on Instagram at River Valley Church Conway. We would love for you to do that. Um, We're going to be having resources that will be online that you'll be able to, to look for and to listen to that hopefully will help you in your journey with Christ. Also, we would encourage you to pray for us uh, as we launch this church. We long to be obedient to the Spirit of God, and you can partner with us by prayer, or if you would like to give, you can donate. It's tax deductible, but more importantly, you're helping us advance the kingdom of God. You can go to our website, rivervalleyconway.com, and you can do that. So thanks so much for listening. I look forward to you joining me next time on Crossroads and Culture.